Welcome! You are listening to the Overseas Life Redesign Podcast, where you'll hear fun, relaxed, and inspirational interviews with people who are really living the dream. I'm Dawn Fleming, an attorney-turned-alchemist and your host for the show, coming to you from the tropical island paradise of Isla Mujeres, Mexico. This show was created for courageous souls willing to step out of their comfort zone and design a new way of life. You'll gain inspired midlife wisdom from those who have done it as we share experiences, strategies, and offer practical steps you can take to redesign your life overseas. Listen, and you'll believe if you can dream it, you can achieve it. The Harvard Study of Adult Development is a study done by Harvard that followed people from their teenage years into old age, inquiring about their proudest moments and their life regrets. It launched in 1938 and is the longest scientific study of happiness ever conducted, and it has revealed insights about what makes up a life well-lived. Dr. Robert Waldinger, MD, is a professor of psychiatry at Harvard, and he now runs the study. With the gift of time, He's learned which adults turn out happy and why. This is part eight of the Science of Happiness, volume two. Our focus in volume one was the daily habits and practices we can adopt to increase our level of happiness. In volume two, our focus is on community and cultural adaptation. We're looking at the behaviors that not only increase our level of happiness, but also assist us in creating and nurturing a loving community where we feel connected and supported. To recap, in part five, we learned that happy people aren't self-absorbed. In part six, we discovered happy people don't worry about what other people think. In part seven, we found out happy people nurture good relationships. They are episodes 96, 97, and 98. And if you miss them, I highly encourage you to check them out. In part eight, we see that happy people avoid toxic tribalism. What is toxic tribalism? It's a loyalty to one's own tribe or social group to the point that dogma and dysfunction become the standard. In a word, it is intolerance for others and their views, ideas, and beliefs. While certain countries and regions are worse than others, at this point in time, we're seeing toxic tribalism all around the globe. Dr. Waldinger says that when you're young, your social life seems like the most important thing in the world. Social life can also show up as an us versus them situation. The bad guys versus the good guys, the cool kids versus the nerds, the athletes versus the artsy kids, kids on the fun bus versus the boring bus. He says one of the biggest tasks of adolescence is identity formation. And identity formation can often lapse into toxic tribalism, resulting in cliques and othering behavior where people are seen as good or bad. He points out that we're all human. We're all just trying to do our best. 
Nobody gets up in the morning saying, I'm going to be a jerk. Everybody's trying to have a good life and everybody's trying to do what they feel is the right step. He says that click may not be as impenetrable as it seems and suggests that you don't other everybody, don't assume that all the girls are mean who won't sit with you at lunch. Maybe make a little effort with one of them who's kind of a nice kid, he says. May, in other words, make friends with individuals. The other side of the individualistic coin, find your people. Not only should, uh, kids, should learn to see members of cliques as separate people. They should also look for those who appreciate their uniqueness. Dr. Waldinger says, quote, each of my kids was kind of quirky. One of my guys was a math nerd. One was an exhibitionist theater kid. So they found the math nerds and the theater kids. They didn't aspire to be football players and cheerleaders. It's about finding people you like and who like you. It's both not othering people who seem like they're in a clique and finding people who can be your people. In Claim Your Dream Life, I discussed the dangerous myth of American exceptionalism, which I'll explain in a moment. But let me give you some context. In 1990, only 4% of Americans held a US passport. By 1997, it was 15%. Then it jumped up to 27%. We'll be back in a moment. Isla Mujeres is a Caribbean jewel off the coast of Cancun. Castellito del Caribe warmly invites you to enjoy our spectacular oceanfront villa located in the heart of El Centro and a short walk to Playa Norte, which is ranked one of the top 10 beaches in the world. With an ocean view of crystal clear turquoise waters overlooking both the Caribbean and Cancun city skyline, we offer a fabulous location for you to enjoy all the peace and tranquility you're looking for on vacation, while also taking in all the excitement the island has to offer, with activities either in walking distance or a golf cart day excursion away. Please visit castellitocaribe.com, www.castellito.com. C-A-R-I-B-E dot com. We look forward to seeing you soon. Is it time to go? Are you starving for adventure and new experiences? Ready to lower your living costs and upgrade your quality of life? Do you long for the freedom to live anywhere and earn in paradise? You can live a happier, healthier, and more joyful life. Don't know where to start? Join us for our free workshop to plan your overseas beta test. You'll walk away with a step-by-step plan to turn pie-in-the-sky dreams into your pinch-me-is-this-real-reality and create a life you never need a vacation from. We'll help you plan and execute your perfect exit. Register at paradiseroadmap.com. Welcome back to the Overseas Life Redesign Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. And we invite you to subscribe if you like what you hear. 1% in 2007. The reason for the increase was the 9-11 tragedy when travel laws were changed 
and holding a passport became a requirement to go where they previously weren't needed. By 2018, 42% of Americans had them, but that number still lags far behind other developed nations. For example, 66% of Canadians have one and 76% of United Kingdom citizens hold passports. Why does this matter? If you live in a bubble, you do not see what life is like in other places, except as seen in TV or the movies. It's impossible to experience how others view your culture if you never leave. American exceptionalism is a philosophy that the United States is intrinsically different from other countries because of the nation's history. America was founded on the principles of liberty, equality, individual responsibility, democracy, and a laissez-faire economic system. This perspective views America as superior to all other nation, nations and therefore with the enlightened mission to help the world evolve in America's image. I grew up with this worldview and had no reason to question it. To be sure, America has played an outsized role in the world and accomplished many great things. I never questioned this philosophy, nor was I even aware of it, until I studied anthropology in college. I learned a word that fascinated me, ethnocentrism. I also realized that Americans are some of the worst offenders. It's a belief in the inherent superiority of one's own culture. As I studied other cultures and societies, then I backpacked across Europe one summer, I became keenly aware of how damaging this philosophy can be. For the first time, I had the opportunity to see the US through the eyes of people who were not Americans. Many Europeans I met loved the US and greatly respected her citizens. In France, I met people who remembered we helped end World War II and expressed their deep, deep appreciation for that. I grew up believing I was lucky to be born in the greatest country on earth. As I've traveled the world, I still believe there are many great aspects of America, but there are also many, many great countries I visited and where I would love to live. Unfortunately, America is no longer one of them. Now I'm thrilled to go back to visit, to be with our families and friends, to enjoy places like Minnesota in the summertime. As time has passed, I sadly find that I hardly recognize my country. Toxic tribalism is part of the reason. I've lived in Mexico for over five years now and operated a boutique hotel. We constantly hear from American tourists how much calmer, tolerant, and caring the people are here. I get it. That's what I grew up with, community. I am hopeful this crazy stage much of the world is going through will pass, as it has historically done before. It is my intention to stay positive and tolerant of other points of view. I hope we can learn to agree to disagree and work together to find solutions 
for our most pressing problems. For over eight decades, the Harvard study has tracked the same individuals and their families, asking thousands of questions, taking hundreds of measurements from brain scans to blood work with the goal of discovering what really makes for a good life. Through all the years of studying these lives, strong relationships stand out for their impact on physical health, mental health, and longevity. Waldinger and Schultz boil it down simply. Good relationships keep us happier and healthier, period. This episode of the Overseas Life Redesign Podcast was brought to you by our sponsors. Thanks for tuning in. Did you love this episode of the Overseas Life Redesign Podcast? Then please subscribe to our show and leave us a nice review. It's very much appreciated. We also invite you to become part of our Overseas Life Redesign community on Circle, where you can join us live for these broadcasts. Visit opats.com, that's O-P-A-T-S, for details. Thank you for listening.